0: Hi, this is physician-geriatrician Dr. Michael Gloth, welcoming you to Senior Survival Guide, a series of podcasts designed to promote more successful aging. In part, the goal of this podcast series is to help you increase your functional survival. In other words, the listener should be able to improve their physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual independence and well-being for a longer period of time my expertise in this area comes from my training as a geriatrician so what makes a geriatrician different than other physicians like other physicians i went through four years of medical school three years of additional training in my circumstance internal medicine and then did a three-year fellowship in geriatric medicine and gerontology at johns hopkins university school of medicine While you can get a complete curriculum vitae on my background by going online to www.naples100.com, it's probably helpful to have a little information now. After completing my geriatric fellowship at Johns Hopkins, I continued as a full-time faculty member there. A few years later, I was offered a position to run a geriatrics program and to start a geriatric fellowship training program at another teaching hospital in Baltimore, which I did. About 10 years after that, I decided to go into a private practice and became involved with assisted living, inpatient geriatric units, and long-term care through nursing home practices. I served on multiple national advisory boards, including three years on the National Advisory Council on Aging to NIH, And I served as one of three physicians on the presidential advisory committee for the white house conference on aging of 2005. In addition to teaching, I've been involved in the development of national guidelines on things like osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, pain management, hospice, and palliative medicine, vitamin D deficiency, as well as participating in Healthcare, consulting, and public policy development at a variety of levels from state to federal government. I have been on faculty at the University of Maryland, Johns Hopkins, and Florida State University's College of Medicine, and currently am an associate professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, a clinical professor of medicine at the Florida State University College of Medicine. I serve on the Health and Aging Foundation, an arm of the American Geriatrics Society, and on the boards of the Florida Geriatrics Society and the Florida Medical Directors Association. In addition to my private practice, I do consulting for healthcare systems in geriatrics and i am a fellow in the American Geriatrics Society and the American College of Physicians. I run an annual mini-symposium on spirituality and medicine, and am a certified medical director. So that is probably more information than you would ever want, but I hope that it is helpful in giving you background from which this information is derived as we address various topics throughout this series of podcasts. Initially it may be helpful to clear up some terminology, one of the first things I want to do is talk about geriatric medicine versus gerontology. Gerontology is the study of the aging process. So the research that I've done has been in the field of gerontology, although some of it has been related to the clinical care of older adults. Geriatric medicine is the clinical care that is delivered to older adults. While there has been some discussion about the criteria used to define an older adult for the purposes of these podcasts, I am going to look at 65 year old individuals and older. When I give information that applies to 85 year olds and beyond or to other age groups, perhaps those over the age of 70, I will indicate that during the course of the conversation. Now, many of you want to know whether you should even have a geriatrician And if you should, when should you get one? Sadly, for some adults, it may not even be an option. That's because in the United States, there's only about 7,000 to 14,000 physicians who can call themselves geriatricians. The number is smaller if we rely on physicians who actually had fellowship training in geriatric medicine. As it turns out, early on, physicians were able to grandfather in to geriatrics simply by taking a test. And regardless of how you define geriatrician, many geriatricians actually are not seeing patients. Let me explain why the numbers are even more dire than at first blush. If we look simply at individuals that have board certification or who are fellowship trained and practicing in geriatrics, the number is probably somewhere around 7,000. The problem that we have is that many geriatricians are academicians and only spend maybe one or two days a week actually seeing patients. The rest of the time is involved in teaching or involved in research or administrative duties. We do have a large number of individuals who actually don't spend any time doing patient care. They're involved in policy development or in more executive functions for a variety of organizations around the country. Given that there are over 50 million Americans over the age of 65, that small number of geriatricians can't possibly provide care for all of the seniors that may benefit from it. As a consequence, you may have difficulty finding a geriatrician. That should not keep you from searching one out. It may be desirable to have such a physician given that many of us saw a pediatrician till we got to be old enough to have a different type of physician, somebody who specialized in adult medicine, maybe an internist or a family medicine physician. As it turns out, once you get older, There are enough changes in terms of guidelines, health recommendations, how we provide care, the types of diseases that are more prevalent, as well as the risk factors that are associated with various medical interventions. Not to mention the changes that take place in a person's body as one ages. All of this makes identifying an expert in older adult care worthwhile. A geriatrician can follow about 300 to 500 patients in standard medical practice. Concierge physicians will usually follow less than 300. Frail older adults, those over the age of 85, you would like that number to be even smaller. Unfortunately, the numbers that we have currently would mean that geriatricians would need to follow somewhere around 3,000 to 7,000 patients in order to handle the demand. Even limiting to individuals over the age of 85 would require more than 500 patients per physician. This assumes that every geriatrician is in a full-time medical practice, which I've explained is not true. So not everyone can have a geriatrician, but there are options that may be helpful for a population that desperately needs such expertise. If you are not able to actually have a geriatrician, the next best thing is to participate in a primary care practice that has a senior focus. When I say a senior focus, I'm not talking about an internist or a family medicine doc who has a lot of seniors in their practice. That does not make them a geriatrician nor give them expertise in senior medicine. It's like saying, down here in Florida, I swat a lot of mosquitoes, so I must be an entomologist. Obviously the two don't go together, nor does it apply that just because you have a lot of older adults makes you a geriatrician. You really want to participate in a senior program that is overseen by a geriatrician, that has practices and guidelines that are established through a geriatrician. There are not a lot of those programs around, but they certainly do exist. And in order to assure optimal care and get your best health experience overall, you certainly want to find either a geriatrician or somebody who has that level of expertise in your later years. If you can't find a geriatrician, you may go on to the American Geriatrics Society website and see if you can identify a practitioner in your area or nearby. If you are able to locate a geriatrician or a program that has expertise in the care of seniors, you want to hang on to them tightly because it is predicted by the year 2060 that one in four Americans will be over the age of 65. There will be nowhere near enough geriatricians to provide care for that number of older adults. And so if you're fortunate enough to be able to get that level of expertise, hang on to it. For many, the geriatrician is a godsend for the children as well, or other care providers who are either not on site or have difficulty getting the level of care that their parents or older relatives may need. For many families, this is why they reach out to geriatricians. Geriatricians are familiar with the team approach and are particularly good with communication and planning to avoid crisis situations down the road. In many arenas, the geriatrician will have as great or greater expertise in handling certain chronic conditions that are more prevalent in an older adult population. Sometimes this would involve management of dementia, identification and diagnosis of dementia, or other disease entities, including cardiovascular, pulmonary, musculoskeletal, and others. Usually, medication management is superior through a geriatric medicine practice. I find in my own practice that I spend much more time stopping medications than starting them. Additionally, you'll find that an older adult population will benefit from the expertise of a geriatrician in areas that are not typically considered disease entities, so individuals who are prone to falling and injury related to that. Geriatricians have expertise in managing function, identifying functional decline, and we focus tremendously on the aspect of functional survival helping an individual to be independent as long as possible. Chronologic age is one thing, but if you talk to most older adults and most caregivers, the primary goal will be to optimize functional independence for as long as possible. So hopefully this will make you a little more comfortable in understanding the role of the geriatrician, recognizing that age is certainly part of the component, but not the sole component in terms of determining when an individual should go to a geriatrician. It also should help distinguish between the geriatrics physician and other primary care practitioners who are primarily trained to take care of a younger adult population. Future podcasts will deal with a number of topics related to the older adult including information on reliable resources for getting information about older adults. We will talk about particular studies that have gotten a little bit more attention and what they really mean, not what the media reports to you that they mean. We will also talk about a variety of conditions that are more common in older adults, whether that be urinary incontinence, osteoporosis, benign prostatic hypertrophy, osteoarthritis, pain management, a variety of changes and guidelines for seniors with regards to vaccinations, preventive measures for seniors, cancer screening, and the differences between normal aging and diseases more prevalent among older adults. And of course, how to optimize care in each situation. So, if it's a topic germane to seniors, these podcasts will probably cover it. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to hear discussed, go to my website, naples100.com, and let me know. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to sharing information in future podcasts. This is physician and geriatrician Dr. Michael Gloth praying that your later years will be healthy and happy.